everybody and welcome to episode eight of the r&d project with your hosts rob nicholson up here in new jersey and my hetero life mate to the south donnie sturgis how you doing donnie i'm doing good how you doing man i'm doing well it's chilly it's folly we had a huge uh bomb cyclone thing yesterday come through and it's blowing leaves all around, and the leaves, yeah. the trees are getting bare, and it's a, uh, it's crazy cold. It's good, like it's like it's even starting to reach down here in Southern Virginia now, which which is nice because usually, usually we're still like in eighty degree weather like all the way into November. So this is a nice uh, a nice change uh, of of of, uh, of weather. So we are back tonight to discuss. Uh... We're, we're, we're continuing our Halloween coverage for the Halloween season, the Halloween franchise. And, uh, yes. and I'll, I'll, I'll introduce this one since, since uh, if Rob does it, it'll just be full of groans. Um, tonight we're covering the Rob Zombie films, uh, Halloween and Halloween 2, or H1 and H2. As they Boom! <laughs> oh, well, you had to get that in there at least. Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, and, and and joining us in uh, in in Pencil uh, from Pennsylvania is uh, our a regular mainstay and our wonderful friend and the head writer of uh, uh, Dark Hills Gaming, uh, Joey. Hey, how's it going, motherfuckers? I'm not actually just Joe tonight. I'm Joe as a fucking Rob Zombie character. Okay, <laughs> so I will go fuck you. Oh, good. Oh, good. Uh, uh, so, so he's Grizzly Joe. <laughs> oh, well, I am a bear, so <laughs> we're, we're we're going to go with the the hypersexual lewdness um, that uh, that definitely permeates the, the the two film. Well, actually, it's in the first one more, but we'll get to that. So, I, I will start off by saying, you, you, Donnie is right. You will hear a lot of groans from me tonight. Um, I, I've I've never been a Rob Zombie fan. Um, didn't like his music. I know a lot of people, especially in the horror community, love his music. Most of his catalog of films, um, I've seen some of them. I don't have them in my in my movie collection because I just did not love them that much. However, I will say that when I did hear, you know, years ago that he was going to take over the Halloween franchise, and at that point, it really was a takeover. Um, because the Akkads were looking to go into a different direction after the 
ugh, the, the, the horror, no pun intended, that was Halloween Resurrection, um, which is why it took, um, I, I think it was, it was almost, uh, what, five, four or five years until another movie even got talked about sometime in 2006. The Akkads and um, I believe it was Dimension came out and said that the um, the movies would be taken over by Rob Zombie. Um, so John Carpenter, in his infinite wisdom, and I mean that sincerely, told Rob Zombie to quote unquote make it his own, and he did exactly that, which uh, again is. <laughs> It's, it, it's just, it, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm just, I, I'm not a zombie fan. That being said, there are parts of the movies when we get into them that I don't mind, that I do enjoy, that I wish were done probably a little bit differently. But I'm going to let our wonderful guest, my friend and nemesis, <laughs> Joe, Joe, stick a fork and Rob, he's done. <laughs> Petten. <laughs> so I think I'm on this episode, quite honestly, um, for a reason that I never thought I'd be on the R&D project for. And that is to defend Rob Zombie to the best of my ability. And I just want to give a tiny bit of backstory here. So my relationship with Rob Zombie is, is kind of a jaded one ever since he stopped returning my phone calls. Damn. <laughs> uh, and when that happens, it's it's not being ghosted. It's called being zombied. But anyway, um, no, that was bad. So when the Halloween remake came out, um, I was still in college and I went to see it in theaters with my girlfriend and seeing it in theaters, I was so jazzed to see this new take on a classic film that I had seen over and over and over over again you know i loved the original but it was great to see like michael just busting homes and shoving people through like glass coffee tables and it, it was absolutely terrifying it was a nice jolt of adrenaline to the series um so i i, I highly enjoyed it and then i didn't see it for years after i saw it in theaters and I went back to it because I was like, oh, I, I liked this movie. And I, I watched the DVD. Now, uh, I did not know at the time that you basically can't get Rob Zombie's theatrical, like original theatrical release of Halloween on DVD. For some fucking reason, he, he seems to have only released and you seem to only be able to get the uh, unrated director's cut of Rob Zombie's Halloween, which makes some changes that are questionable at best. Uh, and even the parts of the film that are the same as the original theatrical version, I, I couldn't appreciate them as much as I did when I first saw the film. So I'm really, I, 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 I watch a zombie film and I find myself seeing all the things that I originally loved about a Rob Zombie film. And then I see all the things that really did not age well and are just lackluster. Um, so I think that gives me the unique ability to look at these Rob Zombie Halloween films amongst other Rob Zombie films and say, man, 
This guy is a legitimate visionary. You can say whatever you want, but he 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 is a visual genius. He has got the directing chops. Um, but sometimes he just has the same fucking rednecks saying the same fucking things with the same gross grindhouse level uh, kills. Thank you. And and it tires me out yes you know yes so and that that's where that's where i'll start so i saw it in the movie theaters i remember coming out of there and going oh wow this breathes brand new life into the franchise and it's exciting and when i went the other night and i watched the movie with china i was disturbed to my core now maybe it's because my girls are all grown up and there was a violent rape scene um, you know, maybe it's realizing like, can I, can, what? can I touch upon that real quick? That whole rape yes, scene? Yes, you may. So here's, here's one of the things I really fucking hate in the original theatrical version. There is no crazy, stupid rape scene. Michael escapes. He's being escorted from, uh, one hospital to another hospital on Halloween night, which whatever it's kitschy, but who gives a shit? That's why I'm watching a horror film in the first place. And he escapes. It's this intense, almost action level scene where he manages to like break out of his cuffs and he starts killing the cops around them and he's like fucking using them as shields. And I remember watching that in theaters and being like, oh, this is fun. This is this is what I want in a fucking remake. You know, I want to actually see Michael escape. And then in the fucking unrated director's cut version. They have that rape scene, which I don't understand why it's in there. Like, did he want more tits? Did he want to be edgier? I don't know. But these two, like, janitors or whatever the fuck they are working at Smith's Grove Asylum decide to rape a woman in Michael's room and leave the door open. And it is the dumbest way for the greatest psychopath in horror movie history to fucking escape. Agreed. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they think they should do that. The only reason they do that is because they're fucking Rob Zombie characters right. in his unrated fucking version. I hate right. it. I hate and, it. And it's one of, it's one of a number of changes made that I, I, I wish I could just fucking watch that theatrical version, you know. And and, and I'll, I'll say this, like, she, and, and the fact that she's a patient, like, they, like, like, it's just it's blatant and it's unnecessary and it makes no sense. And Correct. I'm and and it's, I'm I'll forced. So forced. I'll, I'll I'll establish myself right now. I've never seen the Rob Zombie movies uh, or the Rob Zombie Halloweens until this week. Um, when I heard, I I, I love Rob Zombie's music. Um, I, I actually love him as a musician. Um, he's okay. I love him as a person. He's a good. Well, no, guy, he is. Too. He is. I. He he did an episode when M, when MTV used to do that. Um, uh, um. Well, what was it called? Uh, the 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 fan show, a fanatic show. There was one where it was like a it was like a like a thirteen year old kid or something wanted to meet Rob Zombie because he was a huge fan. He was into horror movies, and his mom was there and Rob showed up and Rob was really sweet and wonderful and nice. And, and really like, like just this, this kid all lit up and they were talking about horror movies and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Cause you know, before that you're just all like, you know, you're okay. You're the, you're the more human than human guy. It doesn't give him license to 
do a scene, especially like that. And I lost a little bit of respect for him. And let me tell you something. So I can watch I Spit on Your Grave, which is the second most now disturbing rape scene I've ever seen in a movie. And I don't remember seeing a lot of them, but I do remember I Spit on Your Grave. But that rape scene had a point because it drove the movie. We could argue that all rape scenes, I mean, they're really just a cheap way of driving the plot. If your narrative involves a rape, like you couldn't think of some better driving force than a rape. Well, sure. I really didn't care to see him as a filmmaker when, when, when I first found out that he was, you know, doing House of a Thousand Corpses. I didn't really, you know, like, okay, because I kind of knew where he was coming from. I knew what his background was. His background was redneck, in, incestual, like, dysfunctional, like, hillbilly, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, kind of like, you know, just like a visceral, like, crude, and I was, like, Grindhouse kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I respect Grindhouse, and I like it okay, but it's not my, you know, I, you know I'm not really, so... First couple of movies that he put out, House of Thousand Corpses and everything, I didn't really care for. And then when, when, when they said he was taking over the Halloween hat franchise, I had no interest. I had zero interest whatsoever. That said, to do this podcast, I wanted to make, I wanted to at least see them both before, uh, before I jumped into this uh, episode tonight. And so I watched the first one yesterday and watched the second one uh, just a little while ago tonight. Um, obviously, both unrated cuts because that's the only way I could get you know, the only one versions I could find. Um, to make a long story short, too late. Um, the point I'm trying to make is, is yeah, I just I'm coming into this with a fresh perspective, and I yeah, that rape scene was just atrocious. Like it it had it made no sense. It was it was unnecessary. Like I I kind of want to see the scene that you're talking about, Joey, because that actually sounds exciting. But it's great. But this yeah that 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 whole oh, man that whole scene I just I sat there just uh, just aghast, going why why is this in here. I, well, I'm about to get controversial for two things because there's two things I want to say. First and foremost, I do believe at this point in my life that as a writer, if rape is the best thing you can come up with, you're a lazy writer. You know, like I get it that rape is a horrible thing that happens to people. And I think there are probably some films that have done a good quote unquote job of showing the horror of an act uh, of that fashion. But I actually think films that don't have rape um, or don't show explicit rape do a better job of expressing the feeling of rape. Um, so yeah, it's a whole laziness thing. However, I will say that I do believe it is every quote unquote artist God given right to put what they believe is needed for their story sure. on film or a book or whatever. So it's like, I don't lose any respect when I see Rob Zombie making these scenes. Like, and, and some of them are, are they're horrifying. I, I will honestly say it's in both the theatrical version and the unrated version. There's a scene in which a bully gets beat to death in the middle of the forest. And I remember watching that scene and the first time I ever watched that scene and it chilled me to the bone because it felt like I was watching someone actually murder a, a kid. Like it, it still makes me sick to my stomach. I, I like, believe it or not, a fair dose of unreality in my horror films. I don't want to think that I'm watching something real. It's a little too much. Um, and, and, and that, that really, that scene absolutely bothered me, but I don't lose any respect for Rob Zombie. I, I think that for some reason he finds 
it necessary to get as realistic as humanly possible with his death scenes. I believe Roger Ebert even saw House of a Thousand Corpses or perhaps it was Devil's Reject. And he said, this isn't my film, but Rob Zombie is has created a masterpiece for someone out there, you know? Right. He has created a very particular film for a very particular audience. And, and I, w- I will go back with you on uh, on that. We've talked about this before, you and I privately, is that, you know, as a person um, who was bullied in school, incessantly in some cases, um, I threw a desk at a kid in first grade because he was making fun of my father so so brutally in first grade. And, you know, I know that, Joe, you have talked about your struggles with being bullied. Donnie, same thing. I think we all come from similar backgrounds with similar character right. traits and, and things like that. Right. And I, you mean we were nerds? Right, that yeah. too. Yeah, that pretty too. much. I, I found myself looking at that bullying scene, or not bullying, well, yeah, the bullying scene first, where they confront him in the bathroom. And then on top of that, you know, him finally exacting his revenge for, you know, having his mother made out of, made, made out of, made fun of and you know his sister and and everything like that i didn't find that scene as disturbing because you're talking about michael fucking myers you know the thing that i did like in both cuts is that we do get a backstory and i like genesis stories i do i like genesis stories figuring out how things came to be the way that they are now I've said in the past during this Halloween retrospective that we've done over the past month that the thing that I liked about Michael Myers in the beginning was that he was just the shape, okay? But Mm. Rob Zombie chose to give Michael a backstory, and he did an incredible job of doing it. Was it over the top? Agreed. Was it over the top? Sure, it was over the top. I mean, what's his name? William Forsyth? I mean, you know... um, it, there was there was a couple creepy things. I didn't like Michael Myers touching um, little Jenny Gump's um, you know uh, leg, you know running his fingers over her leg. That was kind of creepy to me. Um, but it, the whole backstory in general was just it was it was great, and you know that encompasses a large part of the movie, and you know all the way up to the escape or well. Not the not the director's cut escape, but the the theatrical cut escape. Where Donnie, you will love this because I, I do know that Rob Zombie is very very faithful to it, kind of like a Kevin Smith, bringing back these weird obscure you know '80s type stars and things like that. Right. He actually Donnie escapes from um, Leslie Easterbrook. So yep, oh yeah, <laughs> which is which is really cool. But the, 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 the cameo that blew my mind was Mickey Dolan's dropping the F-bomb. I was like, oh, my God, you're a monkey. How can you say fuck? Why? <laughs> That's, what's wrong? No. <laughs> there are so many good horror uh, alumni in the Halloween film. I mean, not even just the regulars. Like, uh, you know, we've got um, Sid, may he rest in peace, as the, the grave caretaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Bill Mosley is in there. Yep. I love that fucking Clint Howard and Udo Kier yep. are just there in a scene. Right. Um, you've got Richard Lynch as the fucking principal. D. Wallace is Lori's mom, right. you know, or adopted yeah. mother. Um, it, he, he, he does such an amazing job of 
uh, like you said, Rob, like getting these people and pulling them in. And you know, while we're on the topic, I have to say, I honestly think one of the best things he did was he took young Jamie Lloyd and repurposed her into a teenager in this movie. I thought that was one of the best callbacks to the original series. You know, he was saying, yes, this is my movie, but we, we still... Uh, are paying homage to the to the original, and, and and I will give you that too. The only <laughs> the only thing that was weird for me at 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 that point, even in the theatrical cut, was seeing Danielle Harris nude, um, because it, it, yeah. it was odd. Knowing in my head and trying to make that disassociation that you know she's little Jimmy Lloyd, and now she's saying, "Do you want to fuck me?" to her boyfriend, which is just it's weird to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, um, her character, the fact that she survives the night in this, in this version, um, you know, again, I thought she was, um, she was very good. I mean, she was, she was convincing, even though she was 29 when she did this movie, she was convincing as a, you know, as a high school teenager. Um, well, she's tiny. So that helped. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the, you know, there, there's certain things in this movie that I really, really like. I mean, I love watching Michael go after, um, go after the, 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 well, um, the, the Strode family, um, you know, <sighs> busting into that house and, and killing the dad and then going after mom is just amazing. It, it's absolutely, it, it's a great scene. And I love angry Michael Myers. Angry Michael Myers yeah. is a good thing. Could have done without the beard and the weird toes and all that other crap. But you know, I mean, that harkens back to the what you were saying earlier um, about the rednecky. There's a very rednecky film, rednecky feel to all of zombies movies. Very. It's not just that it's rednecky. It's that the rednecks are always the biggest pieces of shit in the world. And then, and and that's that that'll that that's a nice segue because I, I want to go back to that to the opening scene. So I I'm in I'm in the I'll I'll say first of all. Um, I, I actually liked the second movie better than the first one, uh, which I which I'll get into in, in, uh, here in a, in a bit. But boo, the first and I I but I have my reasons. Um, so the first movie to me was John, was basically Rob Zombie wearing a John Carpenter mask and making making a Halloween movie. The second movie was Rob mm-hmm. Zombie being Rob Zombie and going, look, I'm going to do my own thing with this now. I'm going to make it my own. And that's one of the things I loved about it. He got ballsy. Not all of his decisions were good ones. Uh, the white horse uh, uh, whole that whole thing was bullshit. It was complete crap. Um, he it was symbolism that he had to explain right. in a title card at the beginning of the film. That's not symbolism. Right. That's super liminalism. And so, yes. but like the thing that I the thing the, the, what I didn't like about the first one was it try it was it was this weird middle of the road like. I want to try to do some different things, but I also kind of want to be like the original. And it's it's, it's kind of like the, the um, oh shit, what's the other movie I'm thinking of off the top of my head? Um, it's it's kind of like uh, the problem I had with the remake of Ghostbusters. I like the remake of Ghostbusters. The problem is is that in both cases, I feel like there there's this uh, there's this battle going on between trying to make it something different and unique, but then trying too hard to make it like the original. And so you have these two different uh, warring factions going at it, trying to make it one or the other, and it just it just it just doesn't it doesn't it's not, it doesn't 
uh, it's not cohesive enough for me. And so one of the problems I had was that, that, you know, the, again, the, the redneck family background, like it's like we've, I've seen that a million times and uh, you know, it's like, okay, you have a shitty uh, trailer park trash type family that treats, you know, your character like shit. And so he becomes a serial killer. Okay. Uh, I, I, all right, whatever. Um, but the problem is, is it's an hour before we even get to the serious meat of the Michael Myers stuff. We get this whole backstory that takes way too long. The the scenes between um, uh, Loomis and, uh, and and young Michael in the uh, in the hospital, they could have they could have shortened that up quite a bit. They're, that's way too long. I got bored. I was starting to yawn. This is this is where we 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 disagree. And it's like I, I get what you're saying. You're not the first person to say that. You know, it is an hour, like you said, of Michael's backstory. It tries to make him more real. Um, that stuff in the first hour is some of the stuff I like most. Not so much the kills, but like Loomis attempting to reach Michael, uh, seeing Michael's mother go through like these ups and downs of, of, of torment as she realizes her son cannot be reached. Those are some. Of, those are some of the things that affect me the most because I feel like Zombie took a character that, you know, was. Um, and I, I don't say this in a bad way, but you know, the original Michael Myers is two D. He's evil, and that's fine by me. He's supposed to be evil, but Zombie said, "All right, let me see if I can take that character and make him real," and he made him as real as he could. It still doesn't make perfect sense, but what I find most interesting is what. What having a child murder your whole family would do to the people around him, you know, sure. and seeing the struggles of Loomis played by Malcolm McDowell, who's a great actor. And I think he does a great job of picking up for Pleasant. Um, and then and then even Sherry Moon Zombie. There's there's a scene in there where Michael is screaming that he wants to go home and he wants to go home and he doesn't understand why he can't go home. And Loomis tells him he can't go home because he's done terrible things. And it's really affecting. It really is. Maybe it's because I have a child. I don't know. But I could not imagine like, like having a child, having your child do something terrible. That's that's a fear I have. I think that's a fear that all parents have, and it doesn't sure. even have to be murder. It could just be, hey, my kid's a dick. But that's that's this real, very real, I, scary fear. And then I think Rob Zombie does this great job of realizing what that would be like. I don't disagree with you. I I, I think the characterizations. Now, granted, I I, I you say he Rob Zombie makes them real. I think he makes them cookie cutter real. Like he's just like, oh, here's a here's here's the basic template for what makes a character real. And let me just, you know, put it right there where, where it belongs. Hey, everybody trashy, you know, home life, whatever. And, and, and there is some good character work with Sherry moon. And, 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 but I just, I think it drags out way too long. And then on top of that, I feel like every time Rob zombie intentionally tries to go over the top or over gruesome or over grindhouse with something, he's like, it's like, he's punching you in the face repeatedly going grindhouse, 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 grindhouse. And you're like, I get it. It's grindhouse. I get it. I get it. I get it. And then, like I said, in, in like that first hour, I just I feel like everything. I I I agree with what you're saying about the stuff that's good in that first half, but I just I think it's dragged out because then by the time you get to the second half of the movie, he has to fast track everything. All the kills happen, boom, 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 without any like 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 uh, like building of tension. It's just like suddenly he's in this house, suddenly he's in this house, suddenly he's over there, suddenly he's over here, boom, boom, boom everybody's dead, and then the last like. 
30 minutes of the movie are are basically like this like super long chase between him and and Lori which again I feel like was stretched out way too long so you you have like you have like 15 minutes of of, of everybody getting killed then then like 30 minutes of like okay okay oh, oh. Oh, he chased her into a place where she she she's she's trying to hide from. Oh, he found her. Oh, oh, nope, nope. Now she's in the ceiling. Oh, no, we found her again. Oh, 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 now she's behind this wall. Oh, oh, we found her again. And it's stretched out for so long. And I'm just like, you could just short if you just tightened it up a bit, just tightened it up a bit, and and just maybe you know, like I don't know. It's it's that's that's my you know that's pretty much everything I have to say about it. <laughs> you bring up good points, Donnie. Um, I, and I think there is um, there's the interactions with Michael and Dr. Loomis are a little bit different in the director's cut as versus the theatrical cut as well. Um, Mm. I don't know how much shorter they are. Um, I did find myself saying when I was watching Malcolm McDowell and I really enjoyed Malcolm McDowell's performance. I loved his, um, you know, his, his cash grab, you know, book writing and, and all that stuff. And even in the second movie, same thing. Um, He's not as crazy as Donald Pleasance version of Loomis right. was. No, Donald Pleasance was only crazy in the fucking sequels. Donald Pleasance was perfectly sane in the first film. He was reacting as any sane person would with right. one of the greatest killers of all yeah. time escape. It wasn't until Halloween 2 that Donald Pleasance is like, you don't know what death is. <laughs> I shot him six times. Exactly. But I will say I would have loved to have seen what Donald Pleasance would have done with those interactions with Michael, you know, back. And I don't mean just in this remake. I mean, in general, if we had gotten that from one of the other sequels where we would see that because one of the most poignant things that Donald Pleasance ever did was give that speech in the Myers house to Sheriff Brackett. Uh, That's that was Donald Pleasance's strength. I mean, he. He was a film actor, but he was also a proper thespian. Yeah. He didn't need right. to show us his interaction with Michael. He could tell right. us, and we were riveted, you know? Yes, and uh, I, and I agree with that. I'm just saying that I would love to see what he would have done with that. that Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I agree with you in, in some ways, Donnie, and, and not in another, because I do like those interactions it's funny because they really compress a whole bunch in the first 10 minutes of the movie like he killed a rat and you know the stepdad apparently is attracted to the sister and we know that he's all beat up for some reason which maybe was a fight with you know michael's mother and you know all all this weird shit just kind of compressed right (laughs) right compressed into like five minutes and then you know, we get the brutality of the kill, um, and then you know it, it, it just floats on. There's a weird montage with a brilliant song, "Love Hurts," um, you know, which actually fits the mood perfectly. Well, Rob Zombie, being a musician, does a really good job of picking music for both these movies. I yes. think, and I I agree. The, I love the cover of uh, Mr. Sandman. I think it's perfect. Yeah, it's pretty yes. Good. Yeah. And another one of those, you know, throwbacks. They also filmed in South Pasadena in the same basic neighborhood where the other movie was, uh, well, the original movie, sorry, was filmed. Uh, Rob Zombie knows his shit. I, th- I think one of the reasons I want to defend Rob Zombie so much is people people just go out and they're like, Rob Zombie's crap. He doesn't know what he's doing. The man definitely knows what he's doing. He has 
carefully crafted an empire on music and really fucked up horror. You know, he may not make your favorite horror film. He may not make a horror film that you like at all, but he knows his shit. He knew everything there was to know about Halloween. He still does. He knows everything there is to know about old horror films. The man isn't just a fucking aficionado. He is a goddamn encyclopedia. And that's one thing I absolutely want to stick up for. He gets the shots right. He gets the locations right. I think a lot of the time, um, like in that first film when he's aping some of those scenes, he gets the feel right. You know, he takes those scenes and he just adds a little bit of fucking rocket fuel to them. Okay. I, 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 I will I will say this. I will I will definitely agree with you on that. Both movies are beautifully shot. The cinematography is amazing. The angles, the lighting, I will say that that both movies are beautifully shot. Yes, absolutely. Here's another plus I'm giving to Rob Zombie's Halloween f- films, and it's that uh, the teenagers seem like real teenagers, which is something that I don't think we ever got. in in any Halloween film until Rob Zombie. The teenagers in his film, they're cursing, they're saying stupid, inappropriate shit, and when they're having sex, they actually look like they're having enjoyable sex. So, I'm giving it to them. Rob Zombie is much more believable teenagers. I I, I will, yeah, I will agree with that as well. Although, I will say, um, I I I think he handled the teenagers better in the second one than he did in the first one because I felt like yeah they they were definitely more like real teenagers but I almost again I feel like he went a little bit over the top with it like like he was really trying to make them just uh, like uh be com- completely like gross with the uh, with, with with the with the sexual innuendos and stuff like yeah. like I get it like like there there's like I I grew up as you know I grew up, I was a teenager once like I know how we talked like and and I I hear how teenagers talk nowadays and and like there, there, there's some of that, but I feel like he was just like, you know what, let me just turn it up to 11. And then, but in the second one, I feel like he was like, you know, 11 was a little bit too much. Let me dial it back down to nine. And I was like, okay, now that's more, that's just more like it. Um, but I, uh, but overall, I, I agree. I think, I think his, I think his depiction of teenagers was dead on, uh, which is one of the things that I did like about both movies. The teenagers in Halloween one, they were, besides this one, the only, really believable teenagers that that i've seen not as believable as the teenagers that were in rob zombies remake but i mean one of the reasons for that was deborah hill wrote the dialogue for the girls in the first movie right and it was a little bit more believable that way the the teenagers in halloween 4 and halloween 5 halloween 6 resurrection whatever um no <laughs> just no so i 100% agree with you, Joe. The other thing that I loved, and it goes it goes to Zombie's vision, it goes to Zombie knowing what, what he was doing, was, like I said, the neighborhood. But the Myers house finally looks sort of, at least more than most of the other houses, besides Halloween 6, it looks like the Myers house again. It's believable as the Myers house. Um, you know, so that was good. But, but, people love the mask in this movie and again it is not it is not that you know michael myers mask i'm I'm gonna hop in here i when i saw it in theaters originally i thought man that's a pretty cool version of the mask and then i watched it recently and i was like man 
that sucks. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it feels almost like a cartoonish version. It's a weird of, thing that yeah. I've noticed. And over all of the sequels, besides one and two, is that for whatever reason, depending on the lighting, you get a different emote from Michael Myers and the mask. Whether that's because there's four or five masks or six masks when they're doing a movie or whatever it is, there is a definitive lighting thing that affects the way Michael Myers looks. Now, like in the in the first kill scene, um, in the in the re rebootish part of Rob Zombie's Halloween, you see Michael put on the mask that you know the boyfriend was wearing and whatever cheesy way for him to get it, but is what it is. And he puts it on. Look, I'm sorry. You can't say cheesy way for him to get it when in the original film, Michael stole it from a hardware store. All right. Oh, yeah. He should have stole it from a Halloween store, not a hardware store. But (laughs) But, I I I think Woody Harrelson should have just handed it to him. (laughs) But when he puts on that mask, if you watch when he's coming down that hallway as as Judith is sitting there, like crawling to her death, which it's a very intense scene. It's very good you have angry Michael Myers again, and it just looks weird. Um, same thing happened in, in H2O when Michael shoots his head over to the, to the, to the camera and he looks angry and it's just a weird thing that they still have not solved in any of the movies. Um, I think the, the newest movie, the, um, you know, direct to Halloween one sequel that we'll be talking about next week. I think that does a, a, a much better job over any other movie of getting the mask right. But, you know, Donnie, you talked last week about masks and, you know, or was it the week before? It doesn't matter. Um, You know, (laughs) it was last week, but you talked about that and like, holy fuck, we're making a $15 million movie or we're making a $30 million movie. Can someone go back to Don post or for Christ's sake, find the original mold or something like that to a William Shatner mask and make, the fucking mask it's not it was an a- that's because it was originally an accident they weren't even really trying you know right. if you talk to you know it was just like well a little bit here a little bit here there now you're done now you've got a mask you know it it was such a happy accident that it was hard to replicate but the mold of the I... like i've seen the don post william shatner mask which has not changed in 40 years it has not changed in 40 years I don't know what they're doing to not use that mask as a starter again. You know, I, I just don't get it. I think every movie tries to make it its own and they don't fail miserably because at the end of the day, it's a white fucking mask with weird hair, but I, I don't know. Yeah. They pretty, they feel pretty fucking miserably in Halloween five. Yes. Oh God. I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I don't think it's that hard to, to like, like you, you can't get every single you know solitary like part correct, um, you know. But come on, like by the by the time they were doing the sequels, you know, you, you can you can do uh, you know prosthetics. You can you can you can do things like the way the masks look in the sequels. It's, 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 there's no way that you couldn't have at least done a better job than what what they had. You know, if you took pictures, photo stills. I'm sure there was plenty of of, of photo stills. That they had, you know, on hand, or just take a look at the, the, just run the old movie and take a look at it and go, okay, I need a sculptor to try to sculpt what this is, 
Because I can I guarantee that even in you know the late 80s, early 90s, you probably had sculptors that could take a look at that Myers mask from the first movie and be able to sculpt it almost perfectly, make a mold out of that, and then make a mask out and, of it. But and, no, and they were just like, eh! Here's, here's something what? that you know I, I was just thinking about as you were talking, and that's... So in Halloween 2, he burns to death, not, not to death, but he burns and, and that's it. <clears throat> in Halloween 4, there's a very specific scene with Jamie Lloyd in the, in the uh, you know, Walgreens or whatever, the dollar mart. And he picks up the mask off the shelf, which number one is weird because everybody knows what Michael Myers looks like. Why would they be selling his replica mask in the store? But so right. technically five and six and H2O are working off of that mask, not what Michael Myers originally looked like. Fair point, right? right? But Zombie went back and made a new movie. So, but in, in an interview with him, he actually said that he was leaning towards not even having the mask and having him use those, those you know, paper mache masks that he made. Which would have been an interesting take, but at at the you know towards the end he decided against it because the Michael Myers mask is iconic. So, but still, it's like a eh, I don't know, I don't know. It's um, it, the masks have always been a problem, but um, you know, I, I again love love the beginning of the theatrical cut. Um, I love the brutality of Michael Myers. Um, there there are certain things that I don't you know, have a problem with at all. Um, the end of the movie seemed very rushed until the, the um, final girl scene with Lori. Um, I do like the little touch that they did give it there. It just took too long to get there, you know, with the picture and him trying to explain who he is and, you know, and then basically getting his heart broken by Lori <laughs> at that point and, you know, flipping out. And in this movie, we only have to see him get shot three times. <laughs> so, I shot him three right. times. It doesn't have the same ring to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Michael Myers is actually a more sympathetic character in this movie because you saw how, you know, his mother abandoned him by killing herself, even though he was already in a mental facility. You know, Dr. Loomis gave up on him you know, after trying for so long or whatever, but he gave up on him. And then at the end of the movie, you know, Laurie's like, well, you know, fuck you. You killed all my friends and I don't care if you're my brother, my uncle, my cousin, doesn't matter. You know, now I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. And then, you know, she stabs him and, you know, whatever. So Michael Myers actually becomes a little bit more understandable as a villain. I, I, I want to jump in on that for a second. Cause that's, that's, that's one of the issues that I had was and 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 this is one of the reasons why I like the second movie cuz cuz there there's a part in the second movie that makes me like the first movie more and that's where I didn't understand or or didn't like I felt like the motivation like the, the behind Michael Myers was cuz it's like I, I I want like it's like they wanted him to be sympathetic but then they didn't want him to be sympathetic because He's already like killing like killing animals at the very beginning of the movie which you know is very textbook like this is a, a psychopath that we're dealing with and so there's no sympathy for a psychopath because you're like okay you're you're killing animals just but then the shit that he's dealing with you're right you're like oh okay I feel bad for this kid cuz he's going he's getting bullied blah 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 but then like that sympathy goes away like like granted the bully's picking on him yeah really really horrible I was I I felt it 
in in, in my heart. Um, but then when he kills the the bully outside, I'm like, mm, that was a little bit too much. Any sympathy that I just had for you, I just lost from you. And so there's this weird give and take where where it's like we earned a little sympathy. Oh, then we just took a bunch of sympathy away and went back and forth. And the thing that I loved, one of the things I liked about the second movie that I think helped me enjoy that aspect of the first movie was when Loomis is at one of his uh, one of his book uh, things, and he states like outright that like the whole nature versus nurture thing they could never figure out like what it was that was the source of what made Michael Myers who he is. And I'm like, holy shit, that's exactly what I was getting from that movie too. Like I was like, I couldn't figure out whether it was nature versus nurture. I couldn't figure out where the hell they were at going with him because he was all over the place as far as like his motivations or, or his background. And I was like, I, that I, I'm with you on that one, Loomis. I don't get it either. So that's, that, that was that for me, that's, I, I had a completely different, uh, uh, I had a completely different experience with that aspect. Of so it. Joe, to, to put a bow yeah. on Halloween remake, just Halloween 1, we'll call it. H1. H1. Yep. Zombies H1. Where do you rank it in the series? Out of all of them? Yes. Fourth. Behind? Behind Halloween, Halloween 2018, and Halloween H2O. I could see that. It's it fair. It is above and beyond better than, in my opinion, any of the sequels uh, that came before H2O. Uh, if only, yeah, for every reason. I don't even have to state reasons. Fair. Yeah. Donnie. Man, um, it, it, my, my, my initial knee-jerk reaction is to not even put it in the same pantheon because it, it's, it's so different. Um, it, it's, they're both their own thing. Um, but if I had to, um, basically I'd go Halloween, uh, Halloween 2018, um, Halloween 3, um, oh, H2O, um, and yeah, you know, I say how, like H2, H1, no, let, let me back up, let me, let me, let me try again. So Halloween, Halloween 2018, uh, Halloween 3, Halloween H2O. Halloween four, Hal H two H one, and then the rest of them. I feel like in we order. Need to, I feel like we need to create an infographic for you, Donnie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look, I was I was having a hard time just trying to figure it out in my own head. So yeah, I will I will put the theatrical cut in either the fourth or the fifth spot. Um, same same as Joey. Um, I do put I, I i'm sorry i i i love i love my four five and six it, it was not it was not uh worse than what than those three so i won't do that um but i i'm still a huge peacock fan i am i'm a huge peacock fan for halloween six um so i have to you and you and you yes just just me um actually there, there there's there's a number of people that like the producer's cut by itself again it's an it's one of those movies and i'm telling you it kind of follows the same thing as rob zombies halloween here is that if you saw nothing but the director's cut first and and i you would just be not not everybody but a lot of people would be like whoa you know i they might even tap out after certain things you know whether it was the brutality scene with the boy or the rape scene with the girl 
um, they might tap out and be like, you know what? I don't, I don't care what version of this movie is out there, but that's not everybody. We are going to move on and I'm going to let Donnie do the, do the lead on this because, you know, I haven't seen it in a while. Um, I wasn't a fan of it. Um, you know, did not like it in the movie theater and did not like it when I rewatched it a couple of years later. It sits as part of my box set and that's pretty much where it stays. I didn't even rewatch it for this podcast because I knew Donnie was going to. And um, I mean, I tapped out at most of the, the white horse uh, deal, um, the, 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 the symbolism or lack of symbolism because of the title card, as Joe said, um, you know. Well, to be fair, the first Halloween had a title card too. So, so I, the whole, I, th- I think he was trying to go with, with, with like the mirror, you know, he was trying to mirror the first one, you know, kind of go with the rhyming couplet kind of idea, but you're right. Like it was way too on the nose. That said, I, okay. So I just finished, like I said, uh, a couple hours ago, I finished watching, uh, H2. Uh, the only way I could find it was on YouTube because nobody has it for, for rental or for streaming. So, and I didn't want to buy it just for the, like, for, for, I didn't want to pay 15 bucks for, for a movie I was going to watch once for, for a podcast. So, uh, I'm, I'm willing to take a bullet for you guys, but not, a, maybe a rubber bullet, not like a full, like, real bullet, um, or maybe like a blank. I don't know. Anyway, so, first of all, the first thing that I noticed is I, uh, I, like I said, I, I, I think I, I like H2 more than H1, and here's why. Uh, first of all, I think it was better. I think the pacing was better, uh, with the exception of the party scene. I feel like again the party like that's another. The movie could have been shrunk down. It could have, there was some fat you could have trimmed off it. The the party scene where you see Laurie you know going out dressed as the Rocky Horror characters, and, and them him constantly cutting back to that took way too long. Um, the White Horse stuff, yeah, obviously I think that's universally uh, understood as being just bullshit. Um, but I the thing I liked is uh, you know I liked the way it opened. Uh, I liked the pacing of it. I liked, uh, I liked the continuation of the. I, I thought, I thought the character building in this one was much better than in the first one. Um, partly because, I mean, you kind of already introduced them in the first one anyway, so there wasn't really you, you, you could do character building and not have to get in the way of yourself. Um, and I, one of the, and 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 of course, one of my favorite things is I liked the fact that for this one. Because like I said, in the first one, Zombie was basically putting he had a, he had he was making a Halloween movie with with a John Carpenter mask on. In this one, it was like no holds barred, all bets are off. I'm gonna do this my way. I'm gonna take it a completely new direction. I'm gonna rob Zombie the fuck out of this shit. Um, but I, although I will say he did kind of pull back on the grindhouse aspect of it a little bit, uh, which I actually appreciated more. It felt more uh, spiritually or, or totally like a Halloween film. Uh, even though it went a completely different direction. Um, and then on, you know, and just, I, uh, on top of that, like I loved, there's aspects of it. Cause at one point, and, and I guess your, your results may vary because there, there are like, there's about three different story, uh, or character arcs in here that just kind of almost kind of are like vying for attention. The whole, the, one of my favorite parts was the book aspect. I love the fact I love what they did with Loomis. I love the fact that Loomis was a completely different Loomis at this point. He's, you know, drunk on fame. He's got his book. He, he, he doesn't even deal with Michael until the very end. I love that. I love the way I love the way Malcolm McDowell plays him at this point, like a pompous ass. And I love the fact that at the heart of the movie, or one of the hearts, this house has many hearts. One of the hearts of this movie 
is how this book affects everybody in the fucking movie. How the book affects Michael, how the book affects the sheriff, how the book affects Lori. I mean, like, I, how the book affects fucking Loomis. I love the fact that, that, that almost, uh, not even, at, not the beginning, but by the time you get halfway into it, like, this, the movie becomes about how does this book deal affect everybody in the film? And I kind of like that aspect of it. I kind of wish that that had been more of the driving force. Um, but I loved the kills. I, I loved, um, you know, the, like I said, the, the white horse stuff was just complete awful bullshit uh, dribble. I understand. Like, I, I, I will give zombie props for having the balls to do that because that's what he does. He does symbolism and shit like that a lot. And so I was like, yeah, I, I get what you're trying to do here, and it's dev- definitely very zombie-ish, but it just doesn't work in this context. Um, but overall, like I and I do like the, I do like how it ended. I like the fact that Lori, you know, is was was set up to be the killer. A very, you know, very uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth New Beginning of them. Oh, okay. Um, See, this is this is where I gotta jump in because honestly, that is one of my biggest problems with H two. And there's. There are a few problems. For instance, as much as I love Malcolm McDowell, I feel like he has the same arc he had in the first film. I'm a psychiatrist. I did this for money. Now I've realized I've hurt people. Now I'm trying to make amends. I feel like he did that in the first film. Uh, I I feel the film I, H2 is intensely boring at times. I think <laughs> it was stupid to have him eat a dog. But my biggest issue, my absolute biggest issue is this is Lori actually Michael thing? Like, none of it makes sense. None of it makes any sense. If you watch H2 and they they have that last shot, it it doesn't make sense for Lori to have been Michael at all. Does that mean Lori was wandering through a field when a bunch of guys came up and started beating her with a bat? Like, it doesn't make sense if Lori is Michael. It, it See... I, I don't I don't see it that way. I don't see that Lori is Michael. I see that because they have that that family connection because they, they're clearly setting up the whole time that there's this psychic link. Because let's let's be honest, the, the, this whole white horse thing. This is Rob Zombie's uh, version of of the Thorn conspiracy. Like this this is this is his attempt to do like the the, the Thorn cult. Um, so I, the way I understood it was was that basically. Uh, she has whatever the same psychosis is that Michael had, um, and 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 that and and that there was some type of weird psychic link between it. I'm not saying it's good, but that's just the way I I, I, I interpreted it. And that so basically, like almost like basically, it was his way of saying, "Oh, there's a curse on the family, and now she's inherited the curse." The curse on your house. <laughs> you know. But- that is in complete opposition to what he was trying to do in the first film, which was, oh, I agree. Which was make Michael more realistic. Oh, I agree. I just, uh, I, I, I agree with you. It's not what he did. That's that. It's definitely true. But I am in the reverse. I liked it because it wasn't the first film. I liked it because it was something new and different. Or well, new and different ish. And I, and I, I, I disagree with the whole Loomis playing the same character. Like, because I mean. He, he's like he, he, we already knew that that was his backstory anyway. Same but this arc, same arc. Yeah, but I mean, he's in the first one. It's kind of in the background because he's too busy chasing Michael through the whole film. And this one, it's him like it's 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 his dreams like like uh, completely like like realized. It's like him like living that dream. Whereas in the first one, it was like yeah, we know that that's his backstory, but it's 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 kind of uh, in the background for him because he's too busy trying to stop Michael Myers. 
from killing all these people, which, you know, obviously he failed to do. So I, I, that's why I don't I don't agree that it's like, yeah, I get it because uh, I mean, that's that's who he is. But at this point, like, I just I love the fact that they instead of making him, you know, chase because that's for me, the repetition is having him chase after Michael movie after movie after movie after movie. That's 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 a boring rep- repetitive character arc for me. For this one, it was like, well, yeah, that's 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 his that's his character. Um, but in the first one, you know, he's put it aside to chase after Michael and try to stop him. In the second one, he's like, well, I don't have to do that anymore. So hey, let me do this book. You know, it's like just watching that come to fruition and not just be, hey, this is a part of 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 my interest as a character. Seeing that come to fruition, I thought was was interesting, especially with the way Malcolm McDowell played it up, and you know, that whole scene with him and Weird Al on on uh, uh, on the talk show was pretty funny. I thought. Um, but that's just me. So out of place, though. I'm sorry. Like, it. it there are times watching it too where I'm like, man, is this a comedy? Like, what the? It. It, it, it was too much. It was too, too boring at times. Too cartoonish at other times. And ultimately, I felt repetitive. I. I. I again, I don't disagree with you. I just, I just happened to enjoy it. Uh, I, I didn't feel like it was, like I said, the only part that I felt got really, really boring was, you know, basically the extended party scene where they kept going back to her. And I was like, okay, we get it. She's drunk. She's partying. She's trying to escape, you know, all the, all the shit that she just had to deal with. The fact that she just learned that she is, you know, she's a Myers. I get it. You know, we, we keep cutting back to that way too much. Um, I didn't really think any of the other stuff was really all that. Well, uh, okay, the Loomis stuff did kind of get a little bit long in the tooth. Like, it's like, well, you know, we get it. You're doing another book signing. You know, people are, uh, once again, blaming you for the deaths. Once again, you're, yeah, okay. That could have been shortened up a bit, too. But I guess, yeah, I think the thing is, is I'm not disagreeing with you on anything that you've said, Joey. I just happened to like it instead of disliked it because, I don't know, for me, it was just kind of refreshing because I... Again, part of the reason why I didn't like the first one was because it was it was it was too much of trying to be like the original, but not like I said. There were you had these two different uh, mindsets fighting for control. Is it different? Is it the same? This one it was like we're going completely off the rails. Fuck it, we're throwing anything in the wall and see what sticks. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's it's not a great film, but I had fun with it. Like like I you, you took some risks and you and, and you know you failed on a lot of them, but you know it was a fun ride to watch. It's kind of like you know just you know watching like a clown car like you know run into a, a fire a, a, like a fire truck full of confetti watching it explode you know it's like oh my god it's tragic but oh my god it's funny to watch too look at all the clowns on fire and the confetti going everywhere it's crazy but it, it it legitimately killed the franchise for another 10 nine years sure did <laughs> so at the end of the day it's funny because the one thing that i do remember about this movie vividly is and it, it makes me think of clerks too is that you know even the when when randall says even the trees walked in this fucking movie michael myers (laughs) is constantly he's just walking and walking and walking hey look here's michael myers walking now there's a truck in a field in a field he's just walking through fields how long how big is this fucking field 365 days long. That's how long. <laughs> hey, look at everybody. I will say at 1027 on Thursday night, October 17th, Joe and I agreed on something. <laughs> well, th- here's a question I want to ask about age two, because 
One thing Rob Zombie tries to do is he tries to have his cake and eat it too. He doesn't remake Halloween 2, but then for the first like half hour of this film, he kind of does. Right. I'm curious. I'm curious. Do you guys think that that hospital stuff actually happened later in the original Halloween night and then Michael disappeared? Or do you think that was all Laurie's dream? I think it was all Laurie's dream. Okay. That, that, that was my interpretation. Um, because the way she keeps explaining it is that, you know, basically, because it, it cuts to her walking down the street, you know, basically right after the events. Uh, oh, wait, I might, be, I might be, man, my brain. Um, but, I mean, yeah, let me back up. So that was my interpretation was that basically all of the extra stuff in the hospital was basically a dream. I, I honestly thought, like I said, the way she keeps explaining it is, is that, you know, basically, you know, she, she shot him and she doesn't mention really mention anything, uh, outside of that dream about, you know, him coming back. Um, she, the way, when, whenever, you know, she's asked to explain it, she goes, well, his body wasn't found. Like it wasn't there. Doesn't really make mention of anything that happens during those hospital sequences. So I think that was all in her head. I think that was something she was dreaming, um, because of 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 the trauma that she had gone through. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can get behind that as well. Um, you know, and knowing zombie, I mean, that may have been, um, kind of what he was going for. I know the the behind the scenes documentary for the first movie is like four hours. I don't know what the second oh, one comes in at, but I'm I I know that I haven't watched it. Maybe I'll go back and watch it or watch you know <laughs> something with the director's commentary. I I go along with Donnie um, that that was just a dream. Yeah, I guess it was just a dream. I kind of like <laughs> to think that he came back. Like like I kind of like to think that he woke up in the ambulance and he was like, oh shit, it's uh it's still ten thirty. I've got. I've got plenty of night left. And then he made his way to the hospital. But by the time he got to the hospital, he only had enough time to murder Octavia Spencer, who is in this movie. <laughs> Octavia fucking Spencer is in this movie. And she's so much better than what she did in this movie. And I don't think that's her fault or Rob Zombie's fault. He's just, you know, he gets, he's, he's like a weird Spielberg of people yeah. willing to be in horror films. He puts them all in there. Oh, which brings me, you know what? I, I have to say, I really think the best thing about both Halloween films is Brad Dourif. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Brad Dourif is the MVP of that of both films. Yes, yeah. 100%. 100%. Both films where he, he comes across his daughter, he just he, – he does an amazing job of acting, of being a real person. He's so fucking good. I, I, I will say this too. That, that was the other thing – that I liked the elevated H2 over H1 for me is the family stuff. Brad Dorif, I liked him better. Like, like I loved him in H1, but I thought he took that character and just like, I loved that guy in the second one. I liked the way, even though, you know, his daughter was being, you know, kind of shitty to him, you know, with the whole meat thing and how they would fight. Like he kept a good sense of humor. Like he was trying to like be a good dad. Like I loved everything about his performance in H two even more so than H one because it gave him a chance to really just kind of elevate and kind of like e e explore that more. Um, but I agree. I think I think Dorif uh, even more so than I will say even more so than um, Malcolm McDowell. I think Dorif is the MVP. Um, yeah. Yeah. And 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 
and and as a footnote, I will also say that the even though I I, I think that uh the hospital stuff is a dream. That doesn't mean that I like that. It's a dream. I loved that sequence. I thought that sequence was amazing. And so when, 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 when you, when it turns out later, or it seems later, like they, they, they kind of don't even allude to it at all. And you know, her whole, whole recollection ends at the end of the first movie. I was like, damn, cause that sequence was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. And, and going back to going back to Brad Dorif, what zombie did with with sheriff brackett's character was phenomenal um you know oh, charles yeah. cyphers i'm not taking anything away from him um <clears throat> in the in the original halloween i liked him um you know yeah. he was the he was the kind of prototypical 70 midwestern sheriff type guy whatever um yeah. he didn't he didn't do a bad job but um halloween 2 you know the original halloween 2 he sees his daughter dead and then it's over. Um, zombie right. zombie fleshed out that character who I think is a pretty important character in, in Halloween. Um, and, and, you know, made it his own. And then Brad Dourif was just, he knocked it out of the park. He absolutely did. 100%. Oh man. When, when, when he sees his daughter on the floor in the bathroom in H2 and he fucking loses his yes. shit. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That was heartbreaking. Like, Oh my God. Like, like his reaction is so unnatural, but in a good way. Like, like, cause you don't, you don't necessarily know how somebody's gonna naturally react. Like, most people just automatically just go, he go, no, no. But like, his reaction is so unnatural that I feel like that that's probably a natural reaction because that you, you don't know how you're gonna react to something like that. You know, you might, you might start, you know, flapping your your arms and and and, and giggling hysterically because you just can't process the idea. Um, so like, it's, it's such a weird reaction, but I loved it because it was so, it just seemed so raw and just so like unnatural. Um, and it was so heartbreaking. Like I, he really drove that, that scene home. And I, I, I will say it. that is a, um, it's a trigger scene for me, obviously. I mean, people know that, that I, I lost my son. Sure. Um, people right. know that I was the, well, a lot of people don't know. I was the one that found him in his crib that day. And right. yes, that is as close to reality as as you could possibly get obviously it's a movie um obviously she was killed in the movie um my son was not right. killed my son passed away but still 100 percent visceral and again it's one of the reasons that brad steals you know so much of the movie now that's not you know taking any way anything away from straight out of compton um <laughs> scout taylor compton um <laughs> I thought she was phenomenal as Laurie in both movies. Um, very, very, very good uh, for for what she was asked to do. And, and she made the character her own. Um, you know, in the original Halloween, you had a, a Laurie Strode that was very virginal, very, um, you know, quiet and demure. And like, even when sex is brought up, she's like, oh, my God. Blah, 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 blah. But Scout Taylor Compton's Laurie was not like that. Um, just a, a completely different Lori, and and again, it was it was another one of those things that I did enjoy about the movie. I did not like uh, Linda in the first movie. Um, in the second movie, I, I love the Annie Brackett character by Danielle Harris. Period, both ways. Right. Um, I love the edge that she brought to the character. Um, you know, the acting in both movies is fine. It's it's very good. Um, like I right. said, there's certain things that I do love about the, the first movie. Um, 
theatrical cut, <laughs> there is there there are certain things that I do like about the second movie, but again, it, it went into a weird direction. I think a lot of people realize that. I think a lot of people said the same thing, and this is why the series went dormant afterwards. Um, Zombie didn't want to come back and direct a third. Um, they talked about doing a 3D movie. Uh, I don't know if they ever approached that subject with Rob Zombie because I'm sure Rob Zombie would have laughed in their faces, um, you know, if they brought up that with him. And, you know, he de- he declined. He decided to go on and, and do his own thing. And he's talked about that a couple times in interviews since then. But, you know, again, it, it killed the it killed the franchise. And, you know, I, I'm not going to blame it completely on H2, but it definitely plays a big part in it. <laughs> Well, the, the amazing thing about the Halloween franchise is that it has died again and again and again and again, but it just keeps coming back. I shot him six times. <laughs> it does. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up, put a bow on H one and H two. Um, yeah. H two is way down there. It's probably right next to Resurrection in my in my sequel <laughs> list thing or whatever you want to call it. My my Halloween franchise list. I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have to say about them. They could H two killed the franchise for a bunch of years, and thankfully it was redeemed. And hopefully, the next two movies, which we will be talking about next week, next as week. well as the Halloween direct sequel, um, we will be talking about that next week. And I can't wait for that because it's a movie I really thoroughly enjoyed. But final thoughts, Donnie. All in all. Um... And again, it might have just been because my expectations were set really, really low. Um, you know, never really had an interest to see Rob Zombie tackle Halloween. I didn't care. I, I liked the original enough. I thought it was it was well. It was it was enough. It was everything I needed. I didn't need these movies. That said, um, I didn't hate them. I didn't love them. I thought they were okay. Um, uh, there was there was plenty to enjoy in both. Uh, again. Um, your results may vary, but I, there was a lot, uh, of stuff, whether it made sense or whether it contradicted the first one or not, there's a lot of stuff in the second one that made me love it over the first one. Um, but at the end of the day, I love, love is a really strong word to use. I just, you know, it's, I'll ne- probably never watch them again. I, you know, I, 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 I watch them, you know, for, for necessity's sake, um, and, and and I'm fine. Like I don't regret it or anything. I'm not going. Oh my god, these are the worst things ever because they really weren't. Uh, they were decent enough uh, for what they were. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah, I called them abominations, and I, I will I will take that back. Um, mostly, <laughs> um, again, <laughs> certain redeemable things for me about H1 redeemable for me, not redeemable for everybody else. Redeemable for me. Um, I made the mistake as I said, about watching the director's cut, um, which if you have a chance, don't watch the director's cut. It's the sushi argument. And that's that's what Gina and I call those people that tell you. You know, Gina and I both hate sushi. We do not like sushi. Okay, God, look, guys, I got to go. I can't be friends with Rob anymore. <laughs> I just need to but wait, wait. We need your you final thoughts get, before you, you leave. get people that tell you, "Oh, well, you just have to try sushi at this place, or you have to try this bazillion dollar sushi." No, we just don't like sushi. You know, eh, it's what it is. Anyway, Joe, final thoughts on H one and H two. Uh, I like sushi. <laughs> <laughs> 
fire bad tree you know pretty. if i decide to edit that part out it's that, that line's gonna make no sense <laughs> no i know and I, I don't I'm, yeah you're right now you have to leave it in and i'm not gonna give any other final <laughs> note because now i want you to leave that in <laughs> uh. so um that is our look back at h1 and h2 through the eyes of rob and donnie yeah. and joe joey <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for all for tuning in. Listen for us next week when um, we discuss the Halloween reboot or direct sequel, whatever you want to call it. Fantastic movie. We'll discuss it more next week. But for now, this is Rob and Donnie and Joe <laughs> signing off. <laughs> and good night and good, good night. Good night, everybody. And we are out.